Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Andrew Boyd. Morning, morning, morning. I love the reading plan. I'm just going to read. I wasn't planning to do this, but I read this this morning. This is Advent. And what a brilliant scripture this one is. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Come on, let's give him a clap. Come on, what a brilliant scripture that is. So it's Advent. And Advent is about the arrival. And it's also about waiting. You know, my daughter, Laura, bless her. When we used to travel anywhere, we, we, we went on a holiday to Italy. There was a lot of driving to do in my wife's very small Ford Fiesta. And we measured the journey. Laura would say, how long is it going to take? You know, kids go, are we nearly there yet? Huh? Don't they? Okay, well, she does. We say to Laura, well, Laura, there's quite a few miles, but we would measure journeys in upchucks. Every 25 miles, she would throw up. <laughs> Poor girl. We went all the way to Italy and all the way back in a Ford Fiesta. So she's going, come on, Advent, I'm waiting. When are we going to get there? Bless her, she would even throw up before we reached the end of the road once. But my, my question to you really about Advent is what are you waiting for? Or let me just put the emphasis on a different syllable. What are you waiting for? Advent. Advent. Listen, life is not about the destination. Your destination is assured if you've given your life to Christ. It's done. It's an eternal guarantee. It's there for you in heaven. Life is about journey. It's about now. Make the most of now. Now is in your hands with him. The rest of it, you are in his hands. But now he gives you. So please let's not spend our lives waiting. Waiting. What are we waiting for? Let's get on with what we've got. Let's get on with what we've given. God uses life now to fit you for destiny. But your destiny is not way down the line. Your destiny is now. So let God fit you for now. The Bible, the Word of God, is there to help us make the best of it. But whether we let God fit us through life for our destiny now depends on how we respond to our circumstances. It depends on how we respond in our heart It depends on whether we let God build our character. Please turn to Luke 1. I'm going to look at two people who responded in very different ways to the destiny that God revealed to them. We're very familiar with this, but it's Advent. It's appropriate to do this. Luke 1, 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Okay, their credentials are good, right? Both of them were upright in the sight of God, so their character's good. 
observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. These are good folk. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well on in years. I just wonder this morning on your little post-it notes, how many of you wrote the word nothing? Nothing. What's separating you from God? Nothing. Just nothing. What's separating Elizabeth and Zechariah from their destiny? It's not barrenness. It's nothing. Because there's only one thing that's impossible for God, and that is nothing is impossible for God. Verse 11, Zechariah's in the temple, okay? Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. It wasn't just an angel, it's Gabriel, right? Big dude. Have you noticed the way in Scripture angels always go, Fear not! At which point we're all completely terrified. <laughs> Same thing happens here. The angel of the Lord appears to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And gripped with fear. And the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to give him the name John. And he's going to be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he's going to be great in the sight of the Lord. And it continues. Listen to Zechariah's response. I don't understand his response. Verse 18, he asks the angel, he asks Gabriel, this man of impeccable credentials and impeccable character, with an angel, not just an angel, standing before him, and he asks him, how can I be sure of this? Well, you duh. <laughs> I'm here, right? You imagine Gabriel saying, look, how can you be sure? What are you saying? How can you be sure of it? He says, well, I'm an old man and my wife is well on in years. And the angel answers, look, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I'm not going to lie to you. I've been sent to speak to you and tell you the good news. And now you are going to zip it. You will be silent, not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. And that's what happens. We'll contrast this with Mary. Verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel, again, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, Mary's also startled, okay? It says she was troubled by these words. She wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Well, you, what is going on here is what's in her mind. And the angel says to her again, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Wow. Listen to Mary's response. She doesn't doubt it. She just wonders how. How will this be? She asks since I'm a virgin. 
And the angel answers, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. It's the only thing that is impossible for God is nothing because love can't just sit and watch and do nothing. And Mary's reply, I am the Lord's servant, she answers. May it be to, to me as you've said. In verse 45, blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Blessed are you when you believe that what God has said to you will be accomplished. However long you've been waiting, however barren you've been, what God has promised you is yes and amen. But I tell you something, his yes needs your amen. Mary gave the amen to the yes of God. Zechariah didn't. But Mary did. So, so God's promises to you require the amen from your spirit to go, yes, Lord. I don't know how, but yes, Lord. And actually God says to all of us, as he says to Mary and as he said to Zechariah, that response has to come from your heart. Even if it's a choice of your will, it has to come from you. We need to find agreement to God. How God's promises fulfilled, they're fulfilled in the yes from heaven and the amen from you. How do we pray down? We're praying for those people on the cards, right? The word says that whatever, whatever you ask for will be given to you. And it says that whatever has already been set free in heaven, you release it on this earth. Add your amen to the finished work of Christ. When you're praying for healing, when you're praying for salvation, add your amen to what God has said yes to. Let there be a rise of faith in us. I want to respond like Mary, not Zechariah, though I really do understand that somebody who, even with an angel in front of him, who has been barren all his life and his hope has gone into the sand. Nevertheless, God says, come on, rise to it, because I'm saying yes, and I need the amen from you. So what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Hold on to your hope. Unlike Zechariah, and that's all I can think that could have happened to this man of great standing and great character is that somehow his hope had disappeared so that even when an angel, Gabriel, is standing in front of him, he goes, really? Am I supposed to believe that? What? Praise the Lord. You see, Mary and Zechariah couldn't have children. Mary's a virgin. Zechariah's too old. Mind you of anybody? Abraham? Sarah? When God does stuff, it doesn't matter that we can't. In fact, it probably helps that we can't. It probably helps because we don't then get in the way. We could muck it up. We could start producing Ishmael's, creating trouble down the line, generation after generation. But we often have to wait for God's promises to be revealed to us. But we need to hold on to our hope. Others who had to wait would include Abraham, that include Moses, that include Jesus, 30 years before he came into his ministry, and he was tested in the wilderness. Israel walked through that wilderness 
for a generation where they were tested and they fell short. God's promise was a promised land, but they failed the test in the wilderness, the test of heart, the test of character. Jesus passed that test in the wilderness. I want to pass the test of the wilderness. So I want to say to you today, what are you waiting for? If you feel that you're in a wilderness at the minute, we had a lot of prayer cards there this morning. Good on you! This is the moment for your character upgrade. This is a moment for you to find God in a new way. This is a moment for God to break through, not just in your circumstances, because he could do that and change your circumstances. But when your circumstances are not changing and you're finding yourself in the wilderness, this is your day when God can do stuff in your life and fit you for your destiny. If you respond correctly, Hebrews 6 says, hold on to your hope. Why do we need to wait? Sometimes if we don't wait, it can be dangerous. You may want your driving license after your first lesson, but man alive, you'd be a danger to yourself and to everybody else. You may want to qualify as a brain surgeon immediately, but thank God you can't. You may find yourself pregnant wanting to give birth immediately, but what are you going to give birth to if you do? You've got to wait. The waiting is the point. It's not just the irritant that gets in the way. It's not just a mind-the-gap moment. The wait matters. The wait is where you are forged and made fit for your destiny if you respond to it correctly. Romans 15, 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you place your trust in him right now when you can't see the answer to what you're looking for. Right now is the time when you place your trust in him. May he fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Why? So that you may overflow with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. God is the God of hope. Hold on to your Hope when you're walking through a desert. Hold on to your hope. Whether you get to the promised land may well depend on that. Let's look at Isaiah 40, verse 29. How do we hold on to our hope? He is our strength. He gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. Well, even yous are going to grow tired and weary. Guys on the crosswalk for two days. Young men are going to stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. How many of you have got the word wait on the Lord in your versions? few of you, okay? So we see that the word hope and the word wait are similar. Those who hope in the Lord, place your hope actively in God, or those who wait on the Lord will renew your strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Let's have a look at this word, wait. It's the Hebrew word, vor. And it doesn't mean hang around drumming your fingers, looking at your watch every two minutes. I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I'm waiting, I'm still barren, I'm waiting. I'm too old, but I'm still waiting. <clears throat> doesn't mean that. The word wait means to wait expectantly. 
It means to look for and to long for. It even means, in one sense, to lie in wait. Can you imagine that your wait is like an ambush? You are waiting, fixed, focused. This is going to happen, and I am going to be ready when it does. I'm not going to be caught napping. It's, it's eager. It's active. It's not passive. So when we talk about waiting, it is not, well, God will do it or he won't. It's up to him. No, what God is saying is up to us is to have an eagerness and a willingness of heart that waits and longs for him. Psalm 27, this is lovely. Verse 13 and 14. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord in that sense, eager expectation. Be strong, that's a choice. Take heart, that's a choice. And wait for the Lord. It's all about choice. Proverbs 4.23, such an important scripture, above all else. How's it go? Guard your heart. Why? Because that's where your life flows out from you. It's where the life of God flows out from you. Above all else, says the wisest man who ever lived, guard your heart, Zechariah. Whoever you are, Abraham, Guard your heart, because it's the wellspring of life. That's what keeps you going through the desert place. So what are we waiting for? All that actually matters is now. It's all that matters. The rest is in God's hand. Today, now, when you hear his voice, what are you going to do with it? Don't wait in the sense of being passive. Wait in the sense of being active, laying hold of him and his promises, adding your amen to those. Let me ask you a question. How old are you? Well, for some of us, our age will have come to mind. And I wonder how many of us would have added the nine months from conception to birth to that. So the Chinese would. The Chinese would. But God doesn't do that. God does far more than that. Add to how old you think you are this, Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. This is not just Jeremiah, because somebody was quoting Psalm 139 earlier. Hem me in in front and behind. It's the same, same sense. Before you were conceived, God knew you. You predate your conception in the sight of God. I know it's a little tricky to get our hands around, but anyway, if you think that's a bit much, try this one. Ephesians. Pardon? You... You postdate your well. You postdate your death, and you predate your conception, Blake. Yeah, that's a thought. Have a look at this one, Ephesians one. Ephesians one, verse 
Oh, I've got it written down here. That's why. Ephesians 1, verses 4 and 5. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. I'll just read that again. For he chose us, as us, in him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his measure, pleasure and will. You were in the heart of God before this world was formed. How old are you? How old are you? And here's a thought. We're all actually the same age. It's a meaningless thought, but listen to this in the message. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. You in mind. Rory, you in mind. Before, before, before Genesis 1, God had you in mind. Man alive, this guy's important. <laughs> God had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. And what pleasure he took in planning you, Norton. Wonderful. What pleasure he took. Just thinking, Norton, Norton. Come on. Wow. So, what is it about? It isn't about new birth and heaven. Do you know you're bigger than that? God's bigger than that. This is about the plans and the hearts of God and the love of God. You are the object, Karen, of God's affections and always have been before you were conceived. Nobody here is by accident. Nobody here is random. Nobody here is without value. Nobody here actually is just down to the will of a man and a woman. This is astonishing. So what then do we do with our lives, folks? It's not about just getting born again and going to heaven. It's about now, who you are and who you've always been in God and how you live now. We're made for a purpose, which is to be outworked in the here and now. I've had some great readings this week. Let's have a look at 1 Peter. 1 Peter 1. Verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, which is kept in heaven for you. It's yours, folks. It's not contested. It's yours. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And in this, you greatly rejoice, even though... Now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. You might go through a desert. You might walk through a wilderness. Well, we all will, actually. But why are these things? Why have these things happened? Verse 7, these have come so that your faith 
which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire. Your faith may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. That's why God sends you through a desert when he could change your circumstances with a snap of his fingers. Don't keep asking for your circumstances to be changed. Learn. Learn. A friend of mine gave me this. It's called the Mirror Study Bible. It's interesting. It focuses a lot on the Greek. Listen to this and the Hebrew. Uh, Greek, actually, it's mainly New Testament. Listen to this. This is 1 Peter 1.7. Just read it. Remember that fire does not destroy metal. It reveals it. In the same way that fire reveals gold, your faith in the midst of contradiction, when your faith is being put to the test in the hard places you walk through, in the wilderness and the desert where you think, how much longer? In that place, your faith is revealed by fire to become gold. It makes Jesus Christ visible and it exhibits the glory of Christ in you. Why do we go through stuff? Listen, God's not interested in the dross. Why are we obsessed with dross? All he can see when he looks at you is gold. Come on, he goes, come on. I tell you, this is worth it. The stuff you're walking through is worth it. It's worth it because he'll reveal his glory through your life. If you hold on to your hope, if you keep heart, if you respond to him, if you learn to walk with him in intimacy in the wilderness instead of resenting the wilderness saying, are we nearly there yet? I just want to be in the promised land. How many more up, Chucks? Let's carry on with Peter, because it's good stuff. 1 Peter 2. Because in all of this, in all of the stuff you've gone through, you, who were seen in the heart and mind of God before this earth was formed, you who were chosen by him to be part of his family before anything else came together you who are walking through a desert place now maybe struggling with things now maybe you listen 1 Peter 2 verse 9 you are a chosen people you are a royal priesthood you are a holy nation a people belonging to God. Why? So that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And that won't just be through gritted teeth. At times it's going to be a choice and a sacrifice of praise. But when you've made that choice and that sacrifice of praise, the joy of the Lord comes in and it becomes your strength, which draws from you a joyful expression of his praise which others who are going through a desert place and a wilderness and darkness right now need. They need your journey to help them on theirs. They need what you've gone through to give them hope, to point them to the joy, of, to, the, to, the, to the God of hope that they can hold on to. They need you. 
Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. When are you going to receive mercy? Now. now. What are you waiting for? Thank you. <laughs> Please, let's not think I'm just hanging on until he takes me. Oh, God's got you here for a higher purpose than that. We're here for a reason. We're here to do stuff. We're here so that he can be seen. God's glory can be revealed in your life. Let's turn to chapter 4. 1 Peter 4, 7. The end of all things is near. Yeah, we are nearly there. Therefore, in the middle of it, because you're not there yet, there are still upchucks. There's still wilderness. It's coming to an end, but it's still there. So how do we cope with that? Be clear-minded, it says. Be self-controlled, because you need to be able to pray. Above all, because we need each other. Love each other deeply. You know, when people lose sight of their hope or need an encouragement, get alongside. Say, it'll be okay, I've been through that. And I know it's not easy. Yeah? Love each other deeply. Why? Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Love doesn't just go where you're at fault on a whole list of things. You want the list? I can give you the list. (sighs) No, thanks. I don't need that. I've got an accuser who's telling me that all the time, thanks. I don't need you to do that. But I do need, I do need you to stand with me and occasionally I do need somebody whose life, who I trust, to speak into my life and say, can I help you with that? It's nice to have someone come alongside you, but occasionally you just need someone to go, can we walk through this one together? Because I think I can help you. Love covers over a multitude of sins. So offer hospitality to one another without grumbling, and each one should use whatever gift he's received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in various forms. Verse 11, the second part of it says this, if anyone serves, he should do it with the strength that God provides. Do you know, it does not say, if anyone serves, he should just jolly well get on with it (laughs) and stop moaning. Just find the reserves of energy within you to do it. Just try a bit harder It doesn't say that. It says that God meets all our needs. And we are not supposed to just muscle up, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and get on with it. We are supposed to draw from him. Remember the verse in Isaiah? Those who wait on the Lord, those who place their hope in the Lord, shall renew their strength. It's an active process of receiving from God to do that. It is not about you just jolly well get on with it. Listen, I think a lot of us, and and me certainly, have had a notion which would never really enter my brain because if it did, I'd say that's ridiculous. But a notion within my guts which says life is a relay race. That at new birth, God gives me the baton and says, you run. Now, when you read Philippians and Paul talks about running the race and you can get encouragement for that point of view, but that's only a metaphor. It's a useful metaphor, but there are limits to it. God never said to you, here you are, go. And when you get there, I'll be cheering you on. 
He never said that. It is not a relay race where you run with a baton, go like crazy, exhaust yourself, and then God takes you away. It's a journey. It's a walk, not a run, because life is a marathon and not a sprint, and it's one we walk with him. He says, take my yoke on you. Come on, let me put my arm around you. We're walking this together. Folks, we evangelicals, need to learn to draw from the strength of God. God never called you to burn out. He never called you to burn out. You've got an accuser who wants to see you burn out and say, come on, Norton, there's more you should be doing here. More. Come on, more and more and more. And you think, he didn't. It's not God's heart. He says, let me walk with you. Just do what I'm telling you to do. Don't do what duty responsibility and guilt and the accuser are just loading on you. Listen to what the Spirit of God is saying because he leads, he does not drive. He leads. If you're driven in any sense, something's wrong. Something's wrong. He leads us and he leads us in triumphal procession. How often does he do that? Always always leads us in triumphant procession. So walk in peace with your God and learn how to receive from him in the now. The now is all you've got. It's not new birth and then death or new birth and the Lord comes back. In the meantime, run like the clappers. It's not. It's let's walk together. God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden, and that's what he wants to do with you. Let me show you this beautiful place I've put you in. Let me point things out to you. Take some time over it. It's not a relay race. Is this, is this striking any nerves here? Please don't live it like that. But learn to wait on him with eager expectation and that's partly to do with prayer. That's partly to do with being still and knowing that I am God and receive from him what he has for you. We need to find God in the desert because that's what it's for. It's the place where we learn intimacy. Has God given you personally promises that you have yet to see fulfilled? Has he given you? Zechariah was barren. His wife Elizabeth, was, they were barren. Abraham was barren. Sarah was barren. Scripture's full of people who can't, whatever they try to do, produce the fruit that they know God has called them to. Has God given you promises that you've yet to see fulfilled? Blessed, blessed are you, Mary, whoever you are you believe what God has said despite the circumstances blessed are you if your heart still rises in faith and hope to what God has, to, has said to you already blessed are you if you lay hold of the God of hope if you have him you have everything if you have him you have everything we don't need to lay hold of him for things we just need to lay hold of him because he's the one who laid hold of us you've got him You've got everything. And blessed are you 
when you hold on to your hope. It's a wonderful reading from, I think it was yesterday, Zephaniah 3.17. Joan, can you come up, please? Zephaniah is a tough old book. It's a bit like Lamentations. Oh, stuff happens. People are in trouble. Nations are judged. Israel is sifted in it all. But listen to the heart of God. Chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord your God is with you. Michael and Anne, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. When you walk through a desert place, he's still with you. He's not just there at the end of the desert in the land flowing with milk and honey. He's with you in the desert. That was a lesson they did not learn. Can we learn that lesson? The Lord your God is with you now in your tough times. The Lord your God is with you with all these blue prayer cards. He is mighty to save. And listen, this is the thing that gives you your strength and your hope. That he will take great delight in you. He doesn't look at you and say you're not running hard enough or fast enough or strong enough. He doesn't do that. He says, I always knew you. I always loved you before any of this stuff came together. You put a smile on my face, God says, Richard. You always did, and you do right now. Put a smile on my face. He will take great delight in you, and he will quiet you with his love. This is my father. This is your father. It's not about your performance, folks. It's about who you are in him. It's about his heart to you, which is unchanged since before the foundation of the earth. It's not about performance. He knows. He knows all this. He will quiet you with his love. And he will rejoice over you. We see. God is not disappointed in you. It ain't over. Are we nearly there yet? I don't know. I don't care. I'm enjoying the journey. I'm enjoying the journey. Look outside the window and look at the journey. Let's not, let's not put life on hold until we get there. Life is, life is all you've got. Now is all you've got. The journey is all you've got. The rest is in God's hands. Yeah, it's going to be wonderful, folks. But right now is what he's given you. Enjoy him in it. And learn to listen to the sound of him rejoicing over you with singing. Learn to listen to the sound of him quietening you when you grieve, when you struggle. Learn to listen to the sound of him quietening you with his love. If there are promises that God has given you right now, let's just do two things here. God's promises are yes, and they require your amen. Are you holding on to your amen? Or have you let it go through disappointment, through barrenness? If God has given you a promise, just bring it to mind now. And find in your heart the amen. 
And now I would say, what we're going to do, Jenna's going to sing over us. She's doing it on behalf of the Lord, as in Zephaniah. On behalf of the Lord, Jenna's going to rejoice over you with singing and quiet you with the love of God. You don't have to do anything right now other than connect. God is with you in this moment. Just sense his presence. If it helps you to put your hand on your where you feel your spirit is, great. This is not a time for prayer. It's not a time for singing. It's time to be still and know that your Father quiets you with his love and rejoices over you with singing.
don't keep me out don't feel ashamed don't feel ashamed let me walk Adam and Eve completely messed up. God came looking for them. Not to say, what have you done? What did he say to them? Where are you? Not where are you, because I'm going to give you a thrashing. Where are you? We've walked together. Let's walk together. Let's walk together. He's so faithful. Nothing can separate us from his presence. There's nowhere we can run or hide. Why would you hide from the one who loves you? Who understands you? Who accepts you? Who's made a way for you? Who's made all provision for you? Walk with him in the desert. Walk with him in the wilderness. Embrace it. Embrace him. Find that intimacy with him. What are you waiting for? Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com. 